Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 26th of January, and my name is Lucia Chachulovic. On today's show, I'll be talking about the latest news with Jan Bob, including the US GDP data and the ECB rate decision from yesterday. And then I'll be speaking to Tim Gagey, head of FX and PM Solutions in Geneva, and I'll be asking him for his latest thoughts on the currencies and metals markets. And finally, I'm joined today by Nenad Dinic from our equity strategy team, and he will share with us an update on the earnings season. But first up is Jan. Good morning, Jan. Good morning, Lucia. Thanks for having me. So yesterday was another busy day in markets with important macroeconomic data out of the US and the European Central Bank making its rate decision. How did markets react? Uh, well, it was a busy day indeed, Lucia. So in the US, equities kept the positive momentum as uh, US GDP and also personal consumption data painted a very positive uh, macro picture, not only for equities, but also for bond markets, I have to say, um, as investors focus on, on figures showing that inflation remained at the Fed's 2% goal also in the fourth quarter. So after all was said and done, uh, the S&P 500 gained half a percentage point, uh, closing at a record high near 4,900 points. Uh, U.S. Treasuries also rallied, uh, with yields down 6 to 8 basis points across the curve. Uh, European equities, well, they had a rather slow start to the day, uh, but they managed to turn the corner in the afternoon session. Uh, the stock 600 added 0.3% led by tech stocks. However, the big moves... Uh, where in yields amid uh, more dovish than expected comments from ECB President Lagarde uh, following the central bank rate decision. Bond markets rallied uh, with the policy rate sensitive shorter end of the yield curve falling by around 10 basis points. So quite a strong move um, across the entire yield curve. In Asia, uh, Chinese equities took a breather after this week's strong rally. Uh, the beaten down sentiment is improving lately as the government is worried and plans to act type of headlines are pushing markets higher. Uh, the intensity of the rescue measures that were announced has surprised investors positively and more measures seem to be in the pipeline according to overnight news. However, looking at my screens, uh, Chinese equities are taking a breather this morning after the biggest three-day rally since 2022. Uh, the Hansang is down 1%, still closing the week 4.5% higher, while Shanghai's CSI 300 is, is more or less flat today. Okay, now let's move back to the US. Uh, you mentioned GDP data being released yesterday. Can you give us a bit more details here? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, the latest figures have once again beaten expectations, uh, Lucia. Yesterday's data showed that the U.S. economy grew at an annualized rate of 3.3% over the final quarter of last year, capping off a strong 2023. It was slower than the previous three months, but as said, substantially higher than the 2% economists expected. And, and look, it's another important data point that shows the remarkable resilience of the U.S. economy in the face of, of the Fed's lengthy campaign of high interest rates. And not only that, so yesterday's data showed basically the best of both worlds, so to say. You have strong economic data driven by strong personal consumption 
and at the same time softer price data with core PCA 2%. So what else can you ask for? Yeah, that's a good point. Now, before we move on to today's agenda, you mentioned yesterday's ECB meeting. It was widely expected that there would be no change in rates. So the bigger question was always about what they would signal about any cuts at future meetings. What is your interpretation of yesterday's meeting? Uh, look, um, as said, I, I think the bond market was very happy that Lagarde didn't sound too hawkish. Uh, and not only that, it was euphoric, despite an ECB president that basically stood by her remarks that rate cuts are a topic for this summer. Um, however, the market's focus was always on the April meeting, as you said. And after yesterday, the focus is even stronger, mainly uh, because Lagarde didn't push back against market pricing. And because her comments, comments left the door, I would say, open for earlier rate cuts. Uh, before the decision, uh, rate markets were pricing in a 60% probability for a rate cut in April. By the close yesterday, this was up to 90%. Now, I'm not a meteorologist, nor am I sure about the impact of global warming on the seasons. Uh, but it sure seems like the market expects summer to come early this year. I was a bit surprised, though, that the reactions in the FX market were rather limited. But then again, in FX, everything is a relative game. And gladly we have Tim on today's show. He's much smarter than me. So can't wait to hear uh, what he has to say about it and what it means for the euro. Yes, I can't wait either. But first, can you please tell us what's on the agenda for today? What should we look out for? Uh, well, today we'll get the last missing pieces before next week's FOMC meeting. This includes December personal income and spending data along with the Fed's favorite inflation measure, the PCE deflator. Uh, but I think the strength of the consumer will be especially in focus uh, as investors look for confirmation of last week's strong retail sales print. Uh, and then, of course, the earnings season uh, will gather pace. And looking at my screens, uh, futures are pointing to a soft opening in the US. The Nasdaq is down 0.8% after disappointing Intel earnings and guidance. But uh, Nenad will tell us more about the ongoing earnings season later in the show. So uh, let's see what the day brings. That's all from the, me this morning, Lucia. Great. Thank you very much, Jan, for this comprehensive roundup. Thanks for having me. Now, Tim, welcome to the podcast and good morning. Good morning, Lucia. So as we've heard, the first few central banks are out of the way now. Was there any impact on FX markets? Honestly, not all that much, really. I mean, the Bank of Canada seemed to slightly weaken the Canadian dollar. The Norgas Bank seemed to slightly strengthen the Norwegian krona. But we're talking pretty marginal moves. The main event was, of course, the ECB. And apparently Lagarde's uh, press conference was interpreted as slightly dovish. This looks to me like clutching at straws. She was very circumspect and careful not to commit to anything either direction. So uh, there seems to have been some mild pricing in of rate cuts. Uh, Eurodollar fell only about 40 pips, has fallen a bit more now. Um, but I think that this is probably more of a timing issue than anything else. I remember seeing this before when the ECB and then the Fed and the Bank of England have a slight uh, gap. It tends to happen as people express more their euro view and they're a bit cautious around dollar and sterling particularly. So I think this move is more technical in nature than anything really fundamental. And I would be uh, careful with it. And honestly speaking, I think while we're in this 108, 109 range, I think I'd be quite tempted to buy a little bit of euro dollar rather on the spot here. 
I think the market is far too excited about the prospect of rate cuts. Sure, I imagine we get some, but the pace will be very steady. Central banks would much rather cut too slowly and be able to react to any sort of slowdown with a bigger hit than to cut too much or even just enough and see the economy slide anyway. I still think that we uh, massively overstate the central bank's ability to really control inflation or economic performance, let alone unemployment. All right. So now we wait for next week and the Fed plus the Bank of England. Do you think this will trigger any larger moves? Well, I hope so, because that would obviously uh, rather suit us. It's not been that inspiring a week, even if we do see a bit of dollar demand right here or euro uh, selling, really. I think much as with Lagarde yesterday, I think Powell will really want to say as little as possible, yeah. let the market do its own talking. Yesterday's data was very mixed with high GDP, very bad durable goods and new home sales right in the middle. But again, I think the Fed will not want to burn through their ammunition too early. There is really no need to move at any sort of pace. So I think next week might be a bit of a non-event and if anything likely to push us back to where we were before. Bank of England, rather a similar story. Inflation is a bit higher, but it's come off from the horrifying levels of last year. So once again, what's the rush? Our view here on the desk is that we are in for some range trading activity for a couple of months at least. And we are returning to range products such as pivot tar, selling strangles, those sort of things, sort of ideas we were really cautious of towards the end of last year. I think there's some interesting money to be made playing the ranges in a sensible way with a horizon of really kind of one to three months. All right. And does the same apply to precious metals then? Yeah, more or less. I'm still rather nervous about gold and quite positive on platinum. Gold is too expensive for me, even if we think central banks will start gently easing this year, while platinum just seems to keep going up and down in a range. Volatility is still really interesting in platinum when you compare it to the actual moves we see. So as usual, I prefer to look at derivatives such as selling puts or doing a reverse convertible, accumulator, bullish tarp, anything where we can really pick up this volatility and take advantage of it. Silver was an absolute roller coaster this week, from 23 to 22 and back again in the blink of an eye, and without any clear explanation. Silver probably stays in its larger range of 20 to 26, unless gold really breaks out in another direction. I recognize this is quite a wide range, but volatility is also pretty high. So again, if you can capture some of this range directly or by looking at a derivative somewhere, I think at least you are very well compensated for the higher risk. Okay, and finally, is there anything in particular you would like to do before the central banks next week? Well, as we think here that ranges are probably more what we're in for, I would be, you know, gentle. But I think if a dollar rally extends a little bit more, I would be inclined to sell some, especially for hedging purposes, and especially if you were lucky enough to take advantage of some of the weaker dollar levels that we saw previously. I'm still pretty convinced that selling Swiss francs makes sense. That's not really connected to anything that is coming up next week or even in the next few months, but just that it's a currency that's so strong and a carry that is so appealing. I'd be very comfortable doing that against dollars, euros or sterling. I've mentioned on this podcast several times before the idea of partially switching loans from expensive currencies like dollars and pounds, even the euro, into the Swiss franc. The savings are large and immediate, and they create their own buffer against an eventual strengthening of the franc, which is anyway not really what we would expect to see. Otherwise, I think I would stay cool and patient. So thank you, Lucia. Thanks, everyone, for listening and have a great weekend. Perfect. Thank you very much for being with us this morning, Tim. And now over to our update on the earnings season. Good morning, Nenad. Good morning, Lucia. So the Q4 earnings season in the US is in full swing, with about 120 S&P 500 companies having reported results. That's around 22% of market capitalization. What trends are you observing? 
Well, so far, companies have largely beaten the rather modest consensus expectations. Around 78% of companies have reported earnings above estimates, which is slightly higher than the five-year average. IT, communications, and the healthcare sector are surprising most positively, whereas financials disappointed on the lower end. However, there was a slight shift in year-over-year earnings growth expectations for the S&P 500. The initial estimate from plus 1.6% has been revised down to a decline of minus 1.7%, after a total of seven sectors have experienced lower earnings or downward revisions. And despite this rather weak start, we don't see any signs to turn bearish at this stage. In fact, we still anticipate positive earnings growth for the reporting quarter, largely driven by the communication sector and the major tech companies, which will report earnings next week. All right. And could you please give us some insights into how the markets have reacted to the results so far? The market reaction has been quite telling. Companies which missed their estimates have been strongly penalized by investors, while the upside was very low if earnings came in stronger than expected. So to put this into perspective, stocks of companies that missed estimates saw an average price decline of around 5%. And on the other hand, companies that beat revenue and earnings estimates experienced only a modest uptick in their stock prices, well below 1%. So what can investors expect going forward? We think that the current reporting season will be challenging to navigate, given this dispersion we have in expected results. But nevertheless, we think it's important to consider that we are still at an early stage of the earnings season. And from a macro perspective, we see first supportive signs of a stabilization in manufacturing and a more cautious consumer spending trend, which could be a silver lining for the market. Another positive element is the fact that although Q4 earnings revisions appear weaker than historical trends, revisions for the full year 2024 are looking very robust. So even though the US earnings season has got off to a weak start, we remain optimistic about the outlook for equities in 2024. Okay, and what's the situation on earnings across the Atlantic in Europe? In Europe, the earnings season is less advanced, with only 30 companies from the stock 600 having reported so far. In terms of year-over-year -year earnings growth, consensus is leaning towards a 10.4% decline, which implies a further slowdown from previous quarters. And we also have low expectations for substantial positive earnings surprises in Europe, especially given the weak economic momentum in both Europe and China, during the fourth quarter of 2023. On top of that, most European currencies were on a strong footing versus the US dollar, which translates into additional headwinds for the internationally oriented companies in the benchmark index. So based on these dynamics, we continue to prefer US equities over those in Europe. Great. Thank you for sharing your insights with us, Nenad. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and do join us again on Monday when I'll be back and talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great weekend, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. 
please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.